again, you got to keep catching yourself, like keep catching yourself in the storyline. It's the awareness. Yeah. Like I, I do it. Like I literally like when I go for a walk and I'm in my own head, mm-hmm. you get lost in thought and I start to follow the same storylines. Like, like you have something to lose. And then I flip. I'm like, no, you have nothing to lose. You're on a planet spinning in freaking outer space. Like you're a grain of sand in the middle of like a cosmos that right. is unfathomable. Like, what do you have to lose? Really? Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. Hey, Diane. Hey, Al. So we're on episode 21, nothing to lose and nostalgia for the future. Those are the two posts where you keep combining our posts because we think they go together. Yeah. There's a lot of commonality. There's a lot of common threads through a lot of the posts. So it's easy to kind of combine them. Yeah. We were originally going to combine it with, I think, uh, what was the other one? The danger of success, but decided with nostalgia for the future. I think the danger of success could be its own conversation. Yeah, I agree. So nothing to lose starts with a quote, never contend with a man that has nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And it's like that fearless mentality when you have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And I think about money. And so I think when I was in my 20s and 30s and I didn't have anything and I was just kind of accumulating, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a fear of losing money. So when the markets crashed or things happened, I'm like, I don't care. I don't really have much in the game. It didn't impact you. Not much skin in the game. And then I get a little older, accumulate a little more, you know, get a few things. And now things happen. I'm like, oh, all right. That's what that feels like. Right. A little more fearful. I'm starting to get where clients come from too that are in their 50s and 60s when they're now relying or thinking about retirements. Depending on or planning on depending on. So it becomes a whole different thing. Yeah. But the thing that I always forget... When I start to think that mm-hmm. I want to go back to the mentality of nothing to lose, because it felt a lot freer. It felt a lot less anxiety-ridden or stressful. Mm-hmm. I realize, no, put yourself back in your younger self. And then what did you think back then? What were your anxieties back then? I think to myself, well, oh, it was the fear that I'd never accumulate anything because I didn't have anything. Yeah. So it was just a different fear. It wasn't that I didn't have fear. I just didn't have that fear. So I basically had the mentality of nothing to lose back then. Right. Whereas now I feel more of the sense of like, oh, I have something to lose. Mm. But it's all an illusion anyway. I mean, all this money thing. But the fear is ever present. And how how appropriate is that for the times? It's ever present. It's just different, right? It just changes form. (laughs) Like the fear doesn't go away. Like you fear. Yeah. You have nothing to lose and you fear never having anything. And then you you accumulate things that you could lose whether it's a possession or a relationship and you're still afraid. Like 
we're just always in fear. Yeah. It's just like the mind just conjures <laughs> it in a different way. And that's fine. I didn't even think about it with relationships. Yeah. Imagine like you're by yourself. You have no family. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I need a family because I'm scared to be by myself. I want a family. Then you have a family. Like I'm scared to lose my family. Oh my God. What if they die? Like what if they leave? I'm not scared to lose <laughs> my family. That's not true. <laughs> Sorry, family. Uh, no, I have. So I have my family of origin and I have what I call chosen family. But what's interesting is my chosen family are the people that I have met and connected with since I've been living by myself in Charlotte and been single. But even that has shifted. So there are some people that were very close to me a little over a year ago when the whole trauma happened that are no longer in my life. Mm. And that was their decision. Yeah. So chosen family shifts. Like your family of origin is what it is, but chosen family shifts over time. Yeah. And I've had to get okay with losing people. That has been challenging for me. Yeah. Because there's like that residue of history, of loyalty, of like that. And then when people show you who they are, believe them. And sometimes you have mixed feelings about it, right? Because there are, obviously you were friends with them for a reason at some point. So there are good memories. Yeah. Yeah. And so those memories don't just go away, but now it's like, you have to make this choice where, yeah, yeah, it's not easy. It's not, doesn't make you feel good. Right. I mean, it's not like, no, but it clears space. Like it's like decluttering. It's it's necessary. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Now I'm open for something. But letting go of the attachment is challenging for me Mm. because I'm someone who tends to hold on to things. So I always thought like, so you were talking about just family of origin. So I always thought, yeah, my family of origin. I'm like, what? How did this even happen? Like, how? Yours is crazy. Like the things you've told me. Like, how is this even possible? <laughs> that how could it be? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then you start to realize that most people think that I don't fit into this. Like, you couldn't have chosen more like polar opposite people to be in a family together, right? And like conflicting personalities and just just everything. And then I, I thought to myself, that moved into like the whole marriage circle. So then I thought. I got married and I'm like, why is this so difficult? Mm. And then as soon as you get into that 24-7 environment, yeah. it changes things. Because I used to think to myself, you know, if I was just gay, I could just marry my best friends and then we get along great. And life would be perfect. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that no. wouldn't work. Hell no. <laughs> That's not how relationships yeah. work. Right. My best friends are my best friend because I see him for, you know, a few hours a week or I talk with him on well, whatever it is, it's not 24 seven. Yep. So, which is why I'm currently questioning whether I could ever live with anyone else again. <laughs> I'm losing my fucking. Mind. Uh, oh, oh my God. Add another person into this. I don't know about that. Yeah. It's a difficult yeah. thing. It's like, a, it's a definitely something that's again, it's like your mind plays tricks on you. Cause like you think like, oh yeah, it's something wrong with my family of origin. That's why they did this to me. This is what happened. It blaming. Yeah. yeah. And sort of like, that's what, you know, negatively impacted my life. And I'm like, eh, if you got to pick the perfect family, I don't think they'd be the perfect family. Like it just wouldn't, mm. if you got to pick the people you wanted and then you put yourselves together with those people, it'd have its own set of problems. Relationships have their own dynamics. And there are always challenges. Like you put two people together, like you and I have a mutual friend in common. Mm -hmm. Even she and I have conflicts sometimes like where we don't always see eye to eye and we don't always agree. And we have differing opinions because we're not the same person. 
Yeah. That's just the way, right. It ebbs and flows. Like but that's, that's also why it works. Cause we're so different. We're so complimentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just talk for three hours about anything and everything. Yeah. Like kind of like band of sisters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you go through like these traumatic times and somebody's like there for you. That creates like some sort of bonds. Yeah. Like it's deeper. Like it's not just, it's <laughs> you not know, I don't talk. do superficial. <laughs> From the very beginning, I'm like, if you're not willing to go deep, we're not going to last long term. Let's get in. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, anyway, nothing to lose and nostalgia for the future. And both, I think, relate to storytelling. Yes. Which is interesting as a writer. Yeah. You know, what stories are we telling ourselves? And so, the nostalgia for the future post I found really interesting because it was just like flipping the script. Yeah. Instead of romanticizing, you know, I'm not a romantic. Imagine how, well, how good could this get when it comes to the future, as opposed to the what if doomsday scenario that our minds are so, or at least mine is my default setting is like, well, what if I fuck it up? What if, what if I fail? What if whatever? I truly believe that it's not natural. It doesn't come natural to any human being to have a default setting that just goes toward the positive. The I just don't believe setting. it. <laughs> Yeah, like everything's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's a self-defense mechanism. But it's funny. It's all about these storylines because like the storyline that I created for myself or as far as my past Mm -hmm. was high school was fun. College was amazing. I was, Mm -hmm. it was all about just... But really, was it? I mean, parts of it. Parts of it, yeah. But but I kind of pieced together all the parts that were perfect and then yeah. negated all of the parts of the insecurities of the mm-hmm. the little depressions the little you know the, all the the things that mm-hmm. for whatever reason my mind just basically took all the good parts of the story and then pieced them all together and that was my reality back then so then in my you know current state of trying to fend for myself early 20s making no money mm-hmm. have to try to pay rent and do all these adulting kind of things Adulting is overrated, isn't it? Oh, God. It was like, yeah. And like to throw gas on the fire, it was like having the thoughts of like, man, I had the best life just a couple of years ago. Now my life is just shit from here on in. Yeah. Like it's just going to be an endless slog of like crappy, you know, I'm in this sales job. Sales sucks. I hate it. Like everything just seemed negative. And then I don't know where I read it. Somebody talked about nostalgia for the future. And I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm just doing regular nostalgia. <laughs> you know, like some nostalgia for the past. But like, why not flip it? Yeah. Flip it to the future. Yeah, the opposite. Why can't the future? The opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it always goes back to the opposite. Everything's a paradox, right? <laughs> the duality of life. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. So then, yes, yeah, so you start getting into the mindset. Like, what if it... I don't even want to go like, what if it becomes great? What if the future is great? Like, what if I like, you know, meet a ton of great people Mm -hmm. and read a ton of great books and I see a ton of great movies. Or travel. Travel. Travel to a ton of great places. And eat all kinds of foods and have a child or not have a child or have a business and just have all different life experiences that are actually good and like feel good and are things that I want to do that are inspiring, that are... I wonder how good this could get. I wonder how good this can get. I like. I never that. thought that way. Really? I never thought that way back. Not back then. Well, you can now. I can now. <laughs> well, that's that was the reason for writing this. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, inspire people to 
think the same I way. I wonder how good this could get. Well, that's what I would ask myself when I would step when I was stepping into dating. I'm like, I wonder how good this could get. Turned out it wasn't all that great, but you know, who knows what the hell the future holds. <laughs> But this this ties in perfectly to that nothing to lose mentality because yeah. the people that have quote unquote think they have something they have some whatever to their lose. accounts in the bank their real estate mm-hmm. yeah why not they could also be thinking like whoa this could get even better yeah not that I could accumulate more and more is better but just this can be better why more like fulfilling I, like fulfilling it, like I'm not. It, <laughs> I'm a freaking realtor and I'm like, I'm not tied to my house's value. Like, like my home is meaningful to me because it is where I come back to at the end of every day. Yeah. It's going to go up and down. Mm. There's nothing you could do about it anyway. Like, I mean, and like the room that I'm sitting in is what I called ground zero of negativity. It was <laughs> repaints, right? Oh this- my God. The entire room got repainted. Yeah. And it went from being a room that I I almost, Mm -hmm. not almost, I physically couldn't walk in the space. It was that repelling to me. And now it is one of my favorite places in my house. I mean, that perfectly illustrates like the nostalgia, the regular nostalgia and the nostalgia for the future. It's like... Like, I wonder how good this could be. Right in that room. It's like same room. It's the same room. Same four fucking walls. Yeah. Two different stories. Yeah. But I threw a divorce party. That was super fun in March of 2017. I was like, come on over. Who wants the divorce was final. Um, Wow. Yeah. Because what did I have to lose by inviting people that I love, my chosen family, into my home space? Nothing to lose and creating the new story for the future. Yeah. I was Writing like, the new story. Like, I wonder how good this could get. Yeah. So it's yeah. a perception shift is like, it goes from, it's like a negative spiral to growth. Like it's basically looking down in an abyss to like looking up at seeing some light and like, oh, all right. I've been looking the wrong way. From cataclysm to possibility. And, yeah. you know, I've known people who went through divorce and it's like their life was over and I'm just like... <laughs> Mine's just starting. Like, I don't know what the hell you're doing. It's like, that's the perspective that I've always had. And I don't understand the alternate perspective, I suppose, because I've always just been Mm. possibility oriented. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you could do it in the moment, but like, sometimes it's a process. Like you got to work through these stories because they're so ingrained. Mm -hmm. You know, you just feel... Again, you got to keep catching yourself, like keep catching yourself in the storyline. It's the awareness. Yeah. Like I, I do it. Like I literally like it when I go for a walk and I'm in my own head, mm-hmm. you get lost in thought and I start to follow the same storylines. Like, like you have something to lose. And then I flip. I'm like, no, you have nothing to lose. You're on a planet spinning in freaking outer space. Like you're a grain of sand in the middle of like a cosmos that is unfathomable. Like, what do you have to lose? Really? Well, a grain of sand, but at the same time, so many different ways to look at it. There's meaning. And you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording about the power of sharing our stories and how I'm watching all the writers that I follow that are sharing their stories. And I'm just like, it is powerful. Like, yeah, you're a grain of sand, but you also have a unique voice and a unique perspective and a unique message to share. Yeah, you might just be a grain of sand, but there's also a lot of power in owning your uniqueness as an individual. Yeah, I guess I mean, like when I say grain of sand, just that it's just, 
we think we're so significant and then you start to realize that the world goes on with or without you. Without you. Yeah. And not that like you don't have any kind of value value or power or like any kind of influence in the world. It's just, yeah, but you're also real. It's not all about you. Exactly. Or there's people that are just like poverty stricken, but that can remain happy and people that, that feel fulfilled. Yeah. Or that like, like whatever we talk about the starving artist kind of thing. Like maybe there's a person out there, they could channel their creativity into some outlets and they don't give a crap about like accumulating anything or having any kind of security because they're loving what they're doing so much. So, I mean, it, again, it's their storyline. Maybe. I don't know. I like nice things. Yeah. We were just saying about your ex saying like, oh would you live in a cardboard box? <laughs> he with said he wanted to be with someone who was willing to live with him in a cardboard box. I was like, dude, I don't think that's like, that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I remember just thinking like, no, the whole unromantic side of me is like, no, I'm kind of practical. I'm like, I'm, I like my king size bed. Yeah. So, I mean, so you, you, you get back to like, what, what is important? Like what's important? What do you life? value? What do you value? When, what, what do you have to lose? Well, and it comes down to, I didn't really get clarity on my personal values until I was divorcing. Um, integrity is a, a core value of mine. Do what you yeah. say you're going to do. Mm. Like go figure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll trust there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the clarity around what really is meaningful has been hugely helpful in evaluating every relationship in my life on an ongoing basis. Cause not everyone needs to be a close connection and not everyone needs to remain a close connection. And that's okay. That's been a tough one for me too. Like, how do you, yeah. Like, how does that really play out? Yeah. You struggle with some relationships. It sounds like, like, yeah, I hold on to a lot of relationships that I need to, well, I do let go of them, but I let go of them just in the practical sense of not talking to those people. But like, I still feel like a connection to them or I feel a sense of guilt that I've been the one to back off, you know, and maybe what's underneath that feeling. Well, I guess part of it is that like I'm I'm leaving them. It's sort of like an abandonment issue that I don't want to, anybody to ever feel abandoned by me. <laughs> I mean, this I, we're, getting, we're getting a little off topic here, but like, I guess, yeah, it's like that lost puppy thing. It's the whole trust building thing. Yeah, like, I know. I, and these are adults that I'm talking, adult human beings that I've known for a long time. Some of them like older relatives, some of them peers, friends, like where I'm just kind of like, we need to, we need space here. You know, like it's not working. We've had so many different interactions where we're just kind of, it's not meshing. It's not serving either one of us. It's not mutually beneficial. No. And that reciprocity is critical to me too. That's another core value. Like for me, relationships, there needs to be a reciprocity. Like it's not me giving all the time. Yeah, I agree. You're receiving all the time. Yeah. And it can't feel like an energy suck, right? Like a lot of times you feel like it's just like, well, you're so sensitive. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And we have that in common. Actually, I have maybe a tougher exterior. Like the, the, what is it? The silk wrapped in steel. Steel wrapped in silk. (laughs) Steel wrapped in silk. Right. (laughs) 
So I was watching a conversation on Instagram with Reese Witherspoon and Glennon Doyle. Mm -hmm. And they were both talking about the experience of being highly sensitive people, especially as children and especially as women and and men too. This applies to men too. How we were told we were too much. Like we feel too much. Don't feel like, don't be so Mm. sensitive. It's like, well, I'm paying yeah. attention. Like the world is broken. Like yeah. we're trying to tell you and no one's listening. Yeah. And from a male context, at least the, like in the surroundings that I was in, it was weakness. Like any kind of yep. sensitivity was just considered weak. Yeah. You can't be sensitive. Like don't be sensitive. Don't show people. And if you show people you're sensitive, you're leaving yourself vulnerable. You're really screwed. Yeah, because now they're going to freaking come down on you. Now they're going to attack you because Take they, advantage see, of that. they see the weakness. Yep. So it's this weird dynamic. And not only until late, you know, not until later in life do you start to realize that no, it's like the people that are sensitive are viewing the world accurately. And they're like a lot of times the teachers and and the poets and the creatives and the artists and yeah. Right. And allowing other people to feel the same things and be okay with it. And like the unshaming of people, you know, like oh. showing them that they don't need to be or feel shame from being a sensitive person. I like the phrase extending permission better than I like unshaming personally. Extending permission. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you are a writer. I mean, you, you use your word, words carefully. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, we all, so many of us are so highly sensitive and, oh, I can feel the collective energy right now. And it's a lot holding my yeah. personal grief. And I'm like, oh, there's the collective grief. How about you hold that too? Yeah. But I, I wonder how much can, <laughs> where are we going with this? <laughs> uh, how, much, how much of that collective grief is coming from the inputs we have from a media that we don't know the source and it's just different sources that are just, kind of channeling but in. I don't read the news. Like, well, even on Instagram, you hear things, you know, you're hearing storylines of people that are living through this live, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder. I have a lot of filters in place. Like I have a lot of, I'm big on boundaries. Yeah. Instagram is the only place I'm posting anything. Yeah. And it certainly is still my highlight reel. Like, it's what I choose to share. I think everybody does that though, right? What do you, I mean, what are you going to be like? <laughs> negative, <laughs> negative Nancy on Instagram? Like, man, life sucks right now. So and, you know. at the end of April last year, I actually posted a picture of me crying on the kitchen floor. Okay. And so how many of those compared to the flower with the amazing quote from a poet, you know? Yeah. You yeah. Know, no, I do the same. Everybody, we all do it. I do the same. Why? Again, why would you throw, <laughs> don't want to put, you don't want to vomit on everybody. Yeah, they're like, let me Here's like uh, shit I'm navigating now. Like, okay. Let's unfollow her. Yeah. So to bring it back to both nothing to lose and nostalgia for the future, you know, there's a story element to both of them. Even just embracing is probably the word I would use. More of a mentality of nothing left to lose. Like, what would you do if you weren't afraid of failing? Yeah. If there was no consequence. Right. Like how much more would you show up if you had nothing to lose? Mm. You know, if you couldn't fail, like even when it comes to dating, Mm -hmm. so take this to dating. What do you have to lose? Nothing. Like you're still going home with yourself at the end of the day. Right. Just show up. But I think, yeah, but the, so it's all a fiction. It's all this like, 
you can create whatever story you want with any of this. Like you can create any story yeah. you get to choose. It, it seems like mm-hmm. your tend our tendency, like your nervous system's tendency is to kind of like to get into that fear mode, to kind of be in a hyper vigilant kind of mm-hmm. space where, you know, you start creating like worst case scenarios or you start telling yourself again, it's like a pr- protective mechanism, but a lot of times it's not serving you well. So I think catching those storyline and those stories are always happening. So it's just a matter of getting into that awareness. Yeah. Awareness. And then also knowing that you could rewrite that story in real time. Like yeah, they're not carved in stone. Like, no, they're you can not. rewrite anything you want. You can write a new story for yourself. Yeah. I mean, so for instance, just going into our current state of affairs here, we're on lockdown. And I'm literally like walking three times a day just to get out of the house and just keep some sort of sanity. Yep. Again, in my head on these walks, I start to see like, I can't go anywhere. There's nowhere I can go. I, I'm trapped in my house. I'm working. I'm doing this. I start and that's, it's happening in the background. I'm not really like thinking this. And then I catch it. I'm like, right. what, you're, you're saying this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're healthy. You're outside. I'm, I'm literally walking on a golf course. It's sunny out. There's birds. There's like... So you start just like re like oh just look a little bit to the left, just pivot. Yeah, just just shift a little bit. Yeah, and it's so strange because like if you don't realize that, then you're just you're just running on autopilot and not like an autopilot. You have wanna, a nice life. Yeah, you're just flying down. Yeah. Well, you're just perpetuating patterns, and that's you know right what we're all doing to some degree. We are, right? Yeah, we're habitual pattern-seeking. Until those of us start to wake up and start to disrupt the patterns and be like, fuck this shit. You start to care about your happiness, right? You start to care about like your moment-to-moment enjoyment of life. Yeah. Your well-being. Mm-hmm. Like your fulfillment. Yeah. And I guess I never I never realized that. Yeah. I don't think many people... I mean, my parents went through their whole lives never realizing that. That just the stories that are going on in the background, those repetitive, crazy stories. Uh-huh. And what's keeping everything like this is the way we've always done it. It's like, well, how's that working out for you? Like, yeah, it's just what I it's just what my parents taught me. That this is the way it is. Like my ex used to say, oh, it is what well, it this is. is the way we've always done it. I'm like, yeah, well, this isn't working for me. So <laughs> so yeah, so I yeah, nostalgia for the future just seemed like such a cool like way of putting it. It's because like you could- both of them are just a shift in perspective but can be so life-changing because like you can literally go from again, looking down into the abyss to looking up into like the opportunity into the possibilities. Yeah. The ex- it, well, it's expansive as opposed to, which is hard to it's a- contractive, I guess. Is that the right word? Yeah. Sure. Contractive. Yeah. I'll go with that. <laughs> I <laughs> make up words as I go. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows what we meant. Yeah. <laughs> But you're right. Like it, it really changes the whole dynamic of the way you perceive it's, your life. It's a matter of where you're putting your attention, like where, and it's not even all of your attention. It's not like you have to get to hundred percent, but where is the majority of your attention going? Mm-hmm. Are you focused on the expansive or, you know, where is the majority of your focus? And I'm not personally aiming for like a hundred percent on expansive. Like I have moments of fear and anxiety and, negative what ifs, but I have a lot more moments of imagining possibility and potential. Yeah. And that's where I choose to put my focus. And it is a choice. Like, you know, we all have the ability to choose. 
And I think it's like a muscle. It's the practice. It's like you need to like condition that muscle. It's taken me what almost 41 years. <laughs> yeah, we just have Damn. Like it's a repetition. It's a thing that like needs to be You get better. It gets easier over time, but it's still a practice. It needs to be cultivated over time. It's not like yeah. uh, And it's an intentional choice to cultivate it. Yeah. And I think it's partially a remembering, like it's a remembering to do oh, it, God. you know, Shit. it's like, <laughs> it's like you just forget, like, right. You get lost in whatever you're doing. And like a week goes by and you're like, fuck everything we said on this podcast. I just forgot everything that we just talked about. I'm just lost in some rabbit hole. So, you know what? One of the core words in my personal mission statement is, is integrity, which is related deeply to integration, which is deeply related to remembering remembering wow mm-hmm. i think about that so much that that word remembering because i feel like it's always there like you it's it's in the you. invitation is always there yeah it's a matter of it's it's up to us whether we how deeply we choose to accept it yeah well and it's the duality of life it's the yin and the yang it's and those are words that those are two that will not leave me alone. Yeah. Remembering and integration. Integration. Mm-hmm. Wow. Huh. Ah, well, this has been a fun conversation. Yeah, Diane, it was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, We're both losing our minds. It's, so I don't know how extroverts or people with children are handling these times right now. Because I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm losing it. Like, I can't even imagine. Imagine, yeah, no. imagine like you fed constantly off of like, you know, human interaction. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, extroverts out there. <laughs> I don't, I don't exactly y'all. know what you're going through, but I could feel some of it being an introvert. Yeah. All right. So, yes, that was episode 21. And that's nothing to lose and nostalgia for the future. Next week will be 22, which we will do. Well, actually, we could do the dangers of success. Dangers of success, the danger of success. Thanks, Diane. All right. We're going to get through this together. Um, All right, everyone. (laughs) FAConfessions.com. You can follow us there and subscribe and like and share and leave a comments. We've had a lot of cool comments. We have and reviews too, which is cool. Yeah, reviews. It's been really cool. And I've gotten a lot of like just just feedback from random people that are just like, but that's the beauty. That is the beauty of technology is that like you can put this content out there and you never know who's going to pick it up and who it might impact around the world. And I really appreciate that aspect of technology. Yeah. I, I like the idea that we can talk, have these kinds of conversations. People would reach out to me and say like, wow, I didn't know you were so introspective. I didn't know that. Wow. This is really interesting to Mike. Like, Great. Let's have that conversation. I'm cool with that. Like it's like I'm open to that. Yeah, like yeah. just people that I didn't know I could have those kinds of conversations with are listening. It's extending permission. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are. <laughs> All right, Diane, that was great. Um, yep. So we'll see you next week for episode twenty-two. All right. So we'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next week.